And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Yes, I feel betrayed and I felt that some people that don't want me here, not only this year, but last year too. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. And well, it's been just another quiet, uneventful weekend for United, hasn't it? My goodness, there is quite simply never a dull moment, is there? Of course, on the pod today, we will be reacting to that bombshell interview from Cristiano Ronaldo, what he said, how it's been received and what's still to come as well. We'll also react to that dramatic finish at Fulham and the young lad that delivered it for United as well. There's certainly a lot to get through, you can say that again. And we thought we'd assemble the full squad to do it. We've actually got the lads in three different countries today as well. Andy Mitten is in Norway, Karl Anka is in London and Laurie Whitwell is in Serbia as he continues his journey to the World Cup. Good morning, all. Hiya. Morning. Morning. Yeah, good morning. I think you guys are probably just about the most perfect advert that wherever you're waking up in the world today, you're talking about Cristiano Ronaldo, aren't you, Andy? Yeah, I put my phone on and just, oh, jeez, absolutely mad. But Manchester United has his ability to throw these stories up two or three times a year. And I like it. I like the buzz that goes with it. As a, as a wise old journalist said to me many years ago, it's better to be in the car wash when it's fully on than when it's switched off. I think we're all going to have a day today um, where we're going to ask to comment about Ronaldo. But the first bit of comment I'm doing is is for, for this podcast. And it's a shame in some ways that it's going to overshadow um, Garnacho's late goal at Fulham and a really important win for Manchester United but it will do because Ronaldo is such huge news and there's so many different facets to to pick apart and I'm sure we're going to discuss them. Carl you were at Fulham yesterday we're going to talk about that match later on in the podcast but I'm guessing you've not written much about that match. <laughs> uh, actually I pretty much finished my piece so you know went to Craven Cottage wrote up the first draft got on the train went back to the athletic mothership back in uh, central London Finished the piece, all good, fact-checked, got all the touch maps in, like, great, amazing, gonna pour myself a nice glass of water, check Twitter, oh my God, Ronaldo's done what? <laughs> it's the business. It is the business. Uh, I am a little bit annoyed at the timing last night because, as Andy says, it did overshadow Garnacho's goal and what should have been a really nice way to cap off this first half of the Premier League season. He's, you know, an academy graduate scoring a last-minute winner, proper Man United. And now we have to talk about this, Yeah, don't we? Yeah, we do. They're trying to force you out. Yes, not only the coach, but the other two or three guys there around the club. At uh, the senior executive level? Yes, that I felt betrayed. And uh, you think they're trying to get rid of you? Honestly, I shouldn't say that, I don't know. But listen, I, I don't care. I'm always, people should listen to the truth. Yes, I feel betrayed and I felt that some people that don't want me here, not only this year, but last year too. Right, Laurie, um, 
you were pulling your suitcase up a cobbled street as the news was coming in last <laughs> night to check into your hotel because you're on your magical mystery tour to the World Cup. I'll give you the first word on this. What do you think of it? Um, I think it was coming, wasn't it, I suppose? We, we kept asking, didn't we, when is he going to do this interview that he's promised? It was sort of two weeks before the transfer um, window was closing when he first uh, posted on Instagram, didn't he, that he was going to uh, set the record straight. Um, I think we could all sense that Piers Morgan might be the vehicle for that, given how strong... Piers Morgan has been on social media about uh, Ronaldo and also the fact they've done an interview before, haven't they? And he's got a massive platform, millions of uh, Twitter followers. So I guess Ronaldo's thinking this is my way to project it the furthest in one fail swoop. Um, Yeah, I was actually, we'd just come through, uh, we're on a bus six hours from Zagreb to Belgrade and we'd just come through passport control. Uh, You have to sort of stop and get off at both uh, borders. So the Croatian side and then the Serbian side, you get out the bus, you're in the cold, kind of waiting for everybody else on the bus to, to get their passports checked. And I was frantically trying to, because you know, obviously Piers Morgan had trailed it, hadn't they? I was frantically trying to get the old uh, data roaming going because once you get into Serbia, it's no longer a, an EU uh, zone <laughs> where you can hop on freely. So I had to buy the old bundle. <laughs> And I'm on, I'm on, I'm on this, I'm on the bus, just trying to, just trying to keep updated. And it's, uh, I was trying to figure out how it was coming out. So obviously, the, the actual interview hasn't been shown yet, has it? It's, it's kind of two clips. No, not yet. And then, but the rest of it's in the Sun newspaper. So it seems a bit of an odd way to kind of launch it all. Um, and you're kind of trying to find out which are the real quotes and which are the quotes that somebody just made up because uh, it's actually you know, quite explosive with some of the stuff that is real. So you kind and, of... and then you find out that the real quotes yeah. are more weird and wonderful <laughs> than the actual made-up quotes could yeah. possibly be, including commenting on Wayne Rooney's appearance, which was probably the bizarrest bit, I think. He's laid seeds to everybody, hasn't he, that, that's ever sort of criticised him in the past sort of few weeks. Um, I think the most uh, prominent, the most kind of relevant stuff is about Ten Hag, really, because, um, and the club in a wider sense, I suppose, but... But Ten Hag specifically, because it, it feels to me that the, the motivation for Ronaldo doing this interview is because he wants out in January, you know, really. Why, why else would you do a big interview just before you go to the World Cup where you've got a break and now, you know, you can reset, I suppose, for the transfer window to come. Um, clearly, he had all summer to, you know, try and get a new club in the Champions League and, and that wasn't possible, you know, for money reasons, as we've discussed before, or just for... Uh, the way that he might fit into the team, they couldn't find a solution. So it is kind of ironic, I feel like, for him to say they they want to force me out. He might now be able to argue that because he's been dropped from the Chelsea squad, uh, Ten Hag is obviously picking other players and he wants a new striker. So he might say, well, you are forcing me out because I'm not being played. Ten Hag will say that actually it's because you tried to push for a move, you've been resistant to my... Uh, drills that I put on in training uh, and you've obviously walked off before the matches have been finished so you know I'm not going to accommodate you any longer but I feel like that that's the kind of relevant point where he's saying Ten Hag doesn't respect me so I'm not going to respect Ten Hag and it feels very unnecessary that kind of level of, of talk particularly when you've also had a go at the previous manager Ralph Ranić, uh, which we've already discussed we've written articles about the issues there but that's two managers in a row where you're saying they're not good enough to manage you it does kind of sort of suggest, well, are you not a bit of the problem there then? And then I also just think the wider the wider issues that we've touched on before, in terms of the improvements to Carrington, Old Trafford, he talks about how it basically hadn't changed since he'd been away, which I do think they're you know relevant points. I think they, they should be listened to. I mean, I think you're right, Laurie, in that 
the two sort of most eye-catching comments that we've seen so far, and, and I say so far because there could be more yet, I suppose, if we're going to see the full interview later on in the week. But Andy saying that uh, he feels betrayed by the club and also that he has no respect for Ten Hag. They are the bits, aren't they, really? I mean, just on the betrayed part, it's a bit of a construction, that, isn't it? I don't know why he feels betrayed by the club. and uh, I think that Ten Hag has actually dealt with him quite well. The whole interview smacks of pride before the fall with Cristiano Ronaldo. He makes some absolutely valid points. He's gone to Piers Morgan, the man who said that the FA Cup was finished because Manchester United pulled out of it in 2000. And he backed up that argument with prominent soap stars of the time. An elephant never forgets. Jeez. It's only 22 years ago. And, he, and, and he, he's coming at it from his angle. I, I read um, his diaries yesterday, actually. So it's all about him making as big a splash as possible, whether it's with Donald Trump, and he doesn't doesn't matter if he upsets uh, the, 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 those people. And he's got this relationship with Ronaldo, which he described, and I have read the interview uh, in 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 the Sun uh, as improbable, but they become very very good friends because it serves Cristiano Ronaldo and Piers Morgan um, well to have that relationship. Uh, he he's not played well when he's played this year. He's had lots of chances. It's an unedifying final chapter to his time at Manchester United. Actually, it's usually the case with all players. It's just that he's far more high profile. Imagine what it would have been like with George Best in the 70s when he was going AWOL all the time and he was a star-star player. He's still got a statue of himself outside Old Trafford. I think Ronaldo's points about things like Carrington, as Laurie mentioned, are valid. Since Sir Alex Ferguson left, I saw no evolution in the club. The progress was zero. Nothing changed. The pool, the jacuzzi, even the gym. I thought I will see different things, different technology, infrastructure. Unfortunately, we see many things that I'm used to see when I was 20, 21, 23. So surprised me a lot. When he walked away, you could argue that a decline started then because when he went to Madrid, the money from his transfer fee wasn't spent well. And that set a template for pretty poor recruitment for over a decade from Manchester United. And he left a club who were the world champions. And he came back to a club who were so far from that level. It's not just Carrington, it's, uh, Old, it's Old Trafford as well. I've written about that many times. He could have added to that the youth system, although that's much improved now. But the Glazers let so many things slide. I noticed he didn't go for the Glazers because they pay his wages. Not mention them. Well, they pay his wages, don't they? That would be in breach of contract. So he's timed it well. He knows that he can sail off into the sun, literally. And we might not see him again. However, in August, he thought he was leaving. And he told people in August, I've got one more week here. So that is his version. And he makes some good points. And he makes some parts where I think I'm backing Eric Ten Hage. Yeah, Carl, that's the point, really. The interview makes it. Ronaldo versus Ten Hag. It makes Manchester United fans make a choice. And for all Ronaldo's popularity, the, the feeling that Ten Hag's doing a good job and beginning to make the improvements that we all want to see with United, it, it's not going to be a very easy choice for people to back Ronaldo, is it? I don't think so. From the quotes I've seen, Ronaldo says he, he, he's done this interview for the fans and he believes it's the right time, which doesn't ring true. For who? Yeah. I don't think it's the right time for Manchester United fans. I think I think quite a few United fans want to celebrate Garnacho getting a last-minute winner, are pretty keen on Ten Hag 
uh, and understand that even though Ronaldo is correct about quite a few things, Ten Hag is probably the person to go about fixing them. Ronaldo is saying a lot of things that are correct and are things we have mentioned on this podcast numerous times. Andy's talked about the investment in the youth and the academy. That's been corrected. Uh, We've been on this podcast before talking about the issues with the swimming pool and how uh, England players at Man United had to go to St. George's to rehab using the swimming pool and the jacuzzi because the one at United was broken for a part. These are all things that Ronaldo has said that are correct. But going after Ten Hag in the way he does, constantly talking about this this concept of respect and betrayal, which I can only really, you know, if Ronaldo views it that way, then Ronaldo views it that way. But why he views it that way is, I only I can't understand it because I'm not Cristiano Ronaldo. Do you know what though, Carl? It'd be quite easy for a Manchester United fan to stand there and say that they feel betrayed by Ronaldo, considering he's done this interview at the time that he's done it, uh, the way he's gone after certain people at the club, including Ten Hag, the, the fact that he's walked out of a stadium before the end of a game. You know, it's that betrayal in a way goes two ways, doesn't it? I think that's a fair comment. If we look at well, Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo couldn't make preseason because he said he had, there were family issues and the club said, okay, you don't have to come up pre-season. Absolutely fine. Uh, it became quite known that he wants to he wants to, to leave. And, and we knew this, and we know various other things about what he did to try and chase suitors. Fine, okay, you can put that all to one side. But also, Ronaldo's behaviour since he's come back for this season under Ten Hag has had a litany of things that you could describe as disrespectful. You could describe as, you know, when you look at the the history of United and, and a number of players that have left under a cloud. Uh, I think I've spoken before about how you know, Wayne Rooney's interview, when Rooney in, in 2010, 2011 Roy told Roy Keane's interview. <laughs> yeah. there, there's in, Explosive interviews from Manchester United is not new, but, but they... Ch- chapter 10, yeah. <laughs> but they very, 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 very rarely end well for the player involved, which then begs the question... Why on earth is Ronaldo doing this? Or, you know, why is Ronaldo doing this if he wants to stay or be a Manchester United player? The only the, the only prism I think you can view this interview is Ronaldo essentially, you know, burning bridges and saying, I'm out. Is he out, Andy? Do you think he's kicked his last ball for the club? Probably, but I still wouldn't go against him playing again for United. He's got a contract. In some ways, the situation has not changed since the summer. There's still no definite offer for him. So if he's got offers lined up, and he thought he did have in the summer, but he didn't, then he could move on. Now, the problem is money. It's financial. He earns so much money that any right-thinking suitor is going to go, okay, we can get Ronaldo. He's going to cost us this. Okay, he's going to be second, third most expensive player in the world on his current salary. Is he currently the best, second, third or best player in the world? No, he's not. He's nowhere near that level. And there's a disconnect between the reality and his perception of himself. And he's one of many footballers. I've seen it happen so many times. Players leave and they say, I didn't want to go. I felt I deserved another year. And it takes them five to ten years to get their head around it. And then they sort of come back and go, okay, maybe the manager had a point. The fans, the fans that Ronaldo speaks of, they've been pretty supportive uh, towards him. If he never played again, would there be protests? I don't think there would. Certainly certainly not at Old Trafford. But what is the fans? 
It's this global construct of millions and millions of people. And within that, there's many different demographics. And within that, there are people for whom Ronaldo is bigger than Manchester United, especially younger people. There there just is. In the eyes of my eight-year-old daughter, Ronaldo is bigger than Manchester United. I have a very different view to her. But people consume football in, in very different ways. It's coming towards the end. That's clear to see. If his wages are taken off what United are paying out to players, that would free up money to bring in a striker. And as we've seen, going back to the actual football, Manchester United have only scored 20 goals so far this season. Manchester City have scored 40 goals. United need a central striker. That could have been Ronaldo last year and and was actually because he scored a lot of goals last season. This season, that hasn't been the case. I think it's really important to say Ronaldo said, you know, that, you know, Manchester United they haven't really built up infrastructure. They're not, they're not, you know, best in class anymore. They don't have the things they used to be. And you want to say that's why you're there, right? That is the reason Cristiano Ronaldo is currently a Manchester United player. Um, if Manchester United were did have the infrastructure, did have the technical director, did have the manager that Ronaldo wants. All of those people would have taken a look at Cristiano Ronaldo before last summer and gone, no way. He's too expensive. He doesn't, he's too expensive and he doesn't fit the system that I'm trying to play football in. And that he cannot realize that is what Andy's talking about. At some point, he has to realize he, he might be the problem or he might be contributing to the problem. Um, and I think Adam Crafton tweeted this last night in that, you know, in, in, in that basically all the things that have made Ronaldo a fantastic football player and score all those goals, that drive, that determination, that complete um, refusal. refusal single-mindedness. For, yeah, that single-mindedness, that refusal to settle for anything other than the best is also why he's now in this position because he's refusing to understand that he's no longer the best. Uh, it's it's really quite like classical literature. It's quite tragic, actually, in yeah. some ways, isn't it? And his greatest strength is his greatest weakness. Yeah, and I think after this interview, it's going to be difficult to to sit on here and and defend him. But we talked about it on the last podcast, didn't we? It's it must be really difficult for him to accept this position, considering the career that he's had so far and the frustration that he must feel at at not being quicker than everyone else, not being more agile than everyone else, not being sharper than everyone else, must be really difficult for him. Um, I can't remember who said it on Twitter last night, Andy. The one thing about all of this, there is no interview that could really challenge the idea that he could have signed for Manchester City and got and lifted the Champions League, their first ever one for them last season. This is better than that. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a mistake to bring him back if it saved us watching that. There's a point there, and Sir Alex Ferguson is mentioned within the interview... And I found out subsequently that it was Ferguson who said he cannot go to City. And the idea of him uh, lifting a European Cup with a third different club, and if it was City, that that, that first would, one in blue, first one in blue would drive people mad. It, and the fact that we're even talking about a third different club, he's had the most incredible career, and history will remember him as an amazing player. Once all this has blown over, just like history remember George Best as an amazing player. They'll remember Ronaldo was absolutely brilliant. He's probably the best player I've ever seen play for Manchester United. But the end is ugly. And the end is now. And we're seeing it playing out in real time as he comes to terms with, or doesn't come to terms with, his, his own decline. And I think in a few years, and I've seen it happen so many times, players, even the brightest ones, 
they look back and go, yeah, I was a bit of a knob. <laughs> you know, it took two or three years to get my head around it. I managed to fall out with everyone. I fired my agent. I managed to have arguments every single day because your whole life has been built towards making it as a professional footballer, establishing yourself in a top team, success, 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 and that just stops. And suddenly you're a substitute and whoa, I'm the best player in the world because in his mind he will still think that he is. And that's made him so good, that single-mindedness. Yeah, And absolutely. in his mind, um, United could listen to him more. Younger players could listen to him more. But again, there's two sides to the story. If you're a teammate with him and you're saying, I can't put the ball in for him because he can't reach it anymore, you've also got a valid uh, opinion there. He got away with it last year because his stats were still really, really good. But it's been a struggle watching him. And even at Fulham on Sunday, um, Fulham were really strong in the second half. But there were parts in the first half where you've seen that interaction between Martial and Rashford going forward or United breaking and it was fast. And I was thinking a couple of times if Ronaldo was there, this move wouldn't be happening. The future, the future's not with Ronaldo at Manchester United. I'd love him to play until he's... 49 and still be doing well for Manchester United but the reality is different we we can see that and he's got to accept that mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Laurie, you've been having a few issues with your internet over in Serbia, but we've got you back now. Um, while you've been away, we've been talking about the idea of the interview, you know, everything that we can reflect on it, really. The question now is what happens next? Andy sort of said that it's unlikely Ronaldo plays for United again, but there's a possibility because he still has a contract. How do you see this playing out now between now, throughout the World Cup, and towards that January transfer window? Yeah, he's very firmly put the pressure on, hasn't he, for United to get something sorted in January. I mean, you would say that it's probably his agent's responsibility also to do something here. Uh, George Mendes tried in the summer to find him a club, Sporting Lisbon, Napoli, Borussia Dortmund. Nobody you know, either wanted him or could afford him. Um, so it comes down to now, can they have a parting of the ways that suits both parties? Um, I was always told that United wouldn't pay him up to get him off the books and get him out of the squad because they don't have to pay more money to buy somebody else in and it'd be like a double hit almost. Um, would he accept not being paid any more money and then he's a free agent in January? That's That would be his call to make. And if he feels this strongly about it, you know, you'd say, well, go on then. That's, you know, walk the walk as well as talk the talk and, and say, I, I want to leave. I want to go to a Champions League club because it is interesting. I, I tweeted it last night, but yeah, this goals record, I think that's a serious factor in his decision to go so public because he's on 11 more goals now than Lionel Messi. He started the season 15 more goals than him. Lionel Messi's two years younger than him. If he loses that legacy as the greatest ever goal, Champions League goal scorer, I do think that's a, a significant part of his 
thinking at this stage um, because that's you know his whole career, isn't it? Uh, and he doesn't want to be losing out to Messi. So that's why I think he wants to go to a Champions League club in January because he can score maybe a few more goals uh, in that competition. But I don't know. I mean, clearly, you know, they have to have some kind of talks. And it, I do, you know, Joel Glazer will be obviously across this. Um, how much he was a part in the refusal of United to even entertain offers in, in the summer, whether that was just a negotiation thing with Chelsea, who were clearly the, the club that I think Ronaldo thought he was he was going to get to sign for. Um, but And also I'm seeing people that are kind of saying that Ronaldo's you know, finally targeting the Lasers at the Glazers. But uh, I don't think necessarily, he, I don't think he's gone that strong. I, I mean, he's not named them no. by any stretch of the imagination. No. And I know that he's sort of hinting at things that um, are within their remit. And, and that is, you know, the Carrington and the stadium and, and the improvements and the squad and the structure of the club. Um, but I don't think he's gone as, as overt as actually, you know, uh, criticising them directly. So whether that's part of his negotiation so that, he, you know, he doesn't annoy them too much and, and they ultimately agreed to, to let him go. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, I, I mean, it's it's going to be really interesting to see who actually sits down with him. I think Richard Arnold is the kind of key figure in terms of George Mendes from the club. Um, he, he's been the one that's, uh, I think, handled that dialogue more frequently. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's John Murta there, who is the, the football director. Um, there is actually, we have a line in a, a previous piece where we've said that Ronaldo actually at one point uh, stood up and said United need a sporting director, which is, you know, kind of, you know, you think that that's John Murta's job really. So I, I wonder if that's something that Ronaldo's getting at. Um, but yeah, it's going to be... He will want a really good World Cup now where he can actually show off his skills and hopefully someone will, will actually go, OK, he can do a job for us. Because otherwise you've got this kind of limbo situation where he wants to leave. Tenag, you know, would, would ideally sell him, but there's no solution. Ed Woodward brought him back. Ed Woodward went to Joel Glazer and said, we can think this will work and here are the figures why. Ed Woodward sold the dream to Joel Glazer and Joel Glazer bought it from the commercial perspective. And then Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was asked if he would like Cristiano Ronaldo. And he said, yeah, no problem. I can work with him. I've got another player. I think any manager would probably have, have said that. There's a massive disconnect now between the Ronaldo camp and Manchester United. And I'll give you an example of that. In the summer, United met Ronaldo's people. They had what they thought was a convivial meeting where they found several points of agreement Half an hour later, stories start breaking in the Portuguese media that have almost certainly been briefed by Ronaldo's camp that are the opposite of what Manchester United thought they'd agreed with the Ronaldo camp. So the trust has gone. And that is an example of how the trust has gone. You've basically got people are allowed to agree and to disagree. But if you're looking at people face to face, if you're flying over to see people face to face, and then you're walking out the room and saying something completely different. That doesn't help any party. That's happened several times. No, and you can understand why there's been that breakdown in the relationship if things like that have been going on. Of course, you can keep your eye on The Athletic for the very latest on Cristiano Ronaldo. And you can also get updates as well on Laurie's trip to the World Cup. Um, it's all over social media. There's, there's written stories and videos on The Athletic as well. But we've got you here for the moment, Laurie, and your Wi-Fi is still working for the minute too. So where are you up to and how much further have you got to go? Yeah, so we're in Belgrade now. We're in Zagreb yesterday. And like I said, we've got this six-hour bus. Uh, there wasn't too bad, but it, 
whilst I was on that bus, I, I wrote up uh, uh, an interview with Diego Biscan. Now, United fans might not want to hear that, given his Liverpool allegiances, but actually, he was a really, really good guy. Um, he had an incredible passion for Panini stickers, so we sort of asked him what his first World Cup memory was, and he went back to 1986 and the Mexico World Cup and how he, he basically completed the whole album uh, six months after the uh, tournament start, uh, tournament finished, but he needed one player, and it was Steve Nichol. And at this point, he's an eight-year-old, and he doesn't know who Steve Nichol is, even though he would later go on to replicate him and win the European Cup with Liverpool. Um, and he just knew the number. And one of his kids playing football outside, he started hearing this kid shout a number, and he was like, right, straight over there. And he went into incredible detail about the techniques and uh, strategies for you know the Swapsies games. So he had like a few different ones where you know you had to slap them down with your hand on concrete, and they'd flip over. And any that flipped over, you, you've got to keep. Uh, so and he said he, he had the perfect technique. There was a, there was a, there was a, you had to get air underneath them and uh, you know, and, and stack them in a certain way. So anyway, it just it, it just went in such an unexpected way that it was really charming and, and interesting. And he's the under twenty ones manager for Croatia, so he actually has worked with a lot of the players that are now going to be at the World Cup. He's going to be over in Qatar. Uh, Vardiol obviously being one of them, and he actually said it's a bit too soon for him to move to a uh, a big European club. He thought he thought he needed another year or two. Um, over at Leipzig, um, but he thinks that eventually he'll be one of the most expensive defenders in the world. I wonder if that's one that you know United are, are looking at at some point. Um, but yeah, we're going on to so we're in Belgrade now. Uh, going to hopefully we haven't actually you know sorted out Vidic or Matic or, or any of the other Serbians that United have had over the years, uh, unfortunately. But hopefully, going to have a, a walk around, see what people in Serbia think of the World Cup, and then we are getting we're getting a car and going to Sofia. And I think we do have Dimitar Berbatov uh, lined up again. So that should be... Oh, excellent. Yeah, I think that should be a really good one. Yeah, yeah. Martino, the cameraman, sorted it this time. Uh, so he's, he's got his connections over in Bulgaria. Uh, and then from there, we get uh, an overnight sleeper train to Istanbul. Although we haven't actually booked our tickets for that yet because you can't book them online. So hopefully we can find a bed on this sleeper train. Uh, otherwise, you'll, I'll be even more frantic by the end of it. Brilliant. <laughs> and then f- from there, yeah, we're not we're not sure exactly where we're going to go after that. But yeah, we'll get to Qatar about November the 19th, we think. Okay, so you're nearly there, aren't you? You can keep up to date on Laurie's journey, including that interview that's coming up with Dimitar Berbatov on The Athletic. If you're not a subscriber, you can do so now and become one for just £1 a month for the first six months. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. But good luck with the rest of your journey, Laurie. Cheers, guys. See you later. Thanks for coming on. Okay, somehow we've gone half an hour and not really talked about what was a brilliant finish at Fulham on Sunday. And we, we spoke about Alejandro Garnacho at length on the last podcast. Go back and listen to it if you missed it, because we were teeing up that winner, Carl, in a way, weren't we? We were talking about the sorts of qualities that he was showing for Manchester United in the first team. And in a way, that, that run, uh, that burst of pace and that finish were exactly the types of things that we were we were saying he had. Um he's made an incredible start to his United senior career and that just topped it off before the World Cup. Oh yeah, there are a few better things as a football fan to watch one of your own get the winner and then to watch him do it in a pretty much the final kick of the game. Lovely, 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 lovely. lovely. What was it like in the stadium feeling it? What what was the moment like? It was a, it was a bit of a strange one in that a number of, I myself and I think quite a few people in the stadium didn't 
think Garnett would get onto the pass. So there was the sort of a fraction of a second where the Craven Cottage crowd is completely quiet because they they've got they've absolutely sick of oh god we've we've lost it. And then a, another fraction of a second as the United fan base have gone, has he done it? And then it becomes clear that he has done it. He has done the great thing that everyone has dreamed about doing at least once, which is getting that last minute winner for United if you're a United fan. Uh, yeah, it was glorious. He had a really fun game. There was a bit, I'd say, so he played 21 minutes uh, and there was an incident where he had a tangle of legs after driving at a full and fullback, went down in the box and it. I think quite a few United fans thought that was a, was a penalty and quite a few Fulham fans were believing him to be a dive and a cheat. There was a good five-minute period where every time Garnacho got onto the ball afterwards, he was booed by the Craven Cottage fan base. He's been booed already. He's been booed already. Brilliant. Well done, lad. So that's how, that's how you know he's dangerous. That's how you know he's putting the frankness on players. And uh, Ten Hag was, was very measured in his comments afterwards, again saying the outcome was good, was the quote, um, and, and saying he's quite pleased with him, but also, again, reiterated the the need for for consistency. He he almost lamented the fact that the World Cup is in the way now because the the momentum that he's built up might stop. Because the one thing he needs is consistency, and now he's not going to play a game for several weeks. So that's quite annoying. Um, but I think Ten Hag is happy with with Garnacho. And something I really like with, with also was was the celebrations. Everyone mobbed Garnacho, uh, and at full time, I think you know Ten Hag gave him a, a big old hug as well. So there's there's a real sense of collective and community building at this Ten Hag project now. Yeah, and then the interview drops. <laughs> anyway, we've talked about that. Andy, you were witnessing it amongst Manchester United fans in Norway. Um, I'm guessing if the away end was raucous at Craven Cottage, Oslo was pretty banging when that goal went in as well. Yeah, I was sat in with the Red Army in the Scotsman pub in central Oslo. So in on the busiest street in the capital of Norway, there's this huge red, white and black Manchester United flag and I love that because you know, Manchester United are not from Norway, they're not from Oslo. And the, the pub was packed, hundreds of United fans in there. It was a good first half, the second half was disappointing. You could feel the mood just slumping, going down. Oh no, no, no. And suddenly there's a gap now between United and the teams above. And we've got to look at the league table like this for five weeks. And whoa, whoa, that's a great ball from Ericsson. Goal! Everyone just went absolutely mental. And we live for moments like that, don't we? The story, the young lad, the celebration. Uh, I had all my mates in the away end messaging me. It sounded absolutely brilliant. I love Craven Cottage. I refuse to go there until that new stand has been built. So I'm buying myself another 45 years there. It's almost It's almost there. Almost is not built. <laughs> they started building this car at the same time as the pyramids of Giza, right? And they've still not finished it. And I know, Co- I know Cockney workmen can take the time on the banks of the River Thames. And it does look like a very nice stand. And I love Craven Cottage. I really love the, the mixture of, of the traditional old stands. But really, really big win and good win. We've got to credit Fulham. I think they played really well. I think they were aggressive. I saw uh, Christian Eriksen and Bruno Fernandes saying that after the game. They've had some excellent results. So for United to go there... Fulham, the last two games, have lost in the 93rd minute against United yeah. and the 95th minute against City. Yeah. I mean, that's particularly galling to sign off for the World Cup with that. And to see City lose at home, I sort of ignore them. And I was, <laughs> I was there at the Etihad I was, I was as well, watching yeah. it on Saturday. And I'm Great thinking, story. all right, you just know it's going to flash up on your phone. I was about to get on a plane that City 2-1, 95th minute. And for, for the opposite to happen, 
get in there and I love it how football does these <laughs> irrational things to you I wouldn't have minded uh, Newcastle not winning again I wouldn't have minded Tottenham not coming from behind again but it was a good weekend wasn't it from a Manchester United perspective yeah. Yeah, it was a decent weekend. Yeah, and I watched England cricket team with my dad win the T Twenty World Cup on Sunday morning as well with a stinking hangover after a long overdue night out with the missus on Saturday <laughs> night. So yeah, it's been a lovely weekend in that sense. Just on Garnacho, one last word on him, Carl. One great thing that he's been able to do as well, he's ridden those initial comments about his attitude, where that was the story, to actually now making his ability and his goals the story. Even after that moment that he had at, at Real Sociedad. Bruno Fernandes still felt the need to bring it back to the point on his attitude and the point on on what had happened in pre-season. After that game yesterday, everyone was just praising him. He's managed to break through that, hasn't he, and and make his talent the talking point. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think Ten Hag, the way Ten Hag is speaking about Garnacho now, he's describing him as a happy bonus to his squad and is describing him as as an additive. I don't think Ten Hag came in in August and went, yep, Garnacho is going to be my second choice left winger or, or whatever but I think he's he's established himself in that role I, I can't see Garnacho being a starter if everyone's fit but if it gets to that 30 minute left and you need to get a goal at the moment there's not a player right now I wouldn't throw him before Garnacho because he, he, he gets on the ball and he drives at his man and he's going to give him them stepovers and, th- and that's what you want he, he provides clarity when that United attack can get confused because as Andy said Fulham were good Malassia played at right back uh, and Antti Alanga played it right wing and <sighs> William gave him a tough old time. A tough, tough, tough old time. Yeah, and it's ironic that when Alanga went off, it was Bruno on the right wing with the slight error that, that ended up giving Fulham the opportunity to get that equaliser. And Dan James, good lad, don't celebrate against Manchester United. <laughs> Although I'd, I'd forgive him if he did, considering we sold him and he can move on with his career. You're allowed, Dan, if you want to. Um, let's talk about Christian Eriksen as well, Andy, if we can, because you know if the goal for Garnacho was eye-catching, it was actually Eriksen's first goal for United, which is quite surprising, really, considering his ability and and what he can do. Um but he just is having more and more of an influence on this team, isn't he? And, and bringing the goal and the assist that wins the game just underlines that, really. He's an influencer. He's a creator. He scored one. He should have scored a second one just before half-time. Yeah, he should. And in the second half... Quite a few people yeah. should have scored a second goal for United in that first half, yeah, though. There were fair. a lot of chances, and I, I thought that we'd be going, don't take your chances, you get punished for that. But that, that ball, playing it, into a crowded area of Fulham defenders. Just to do that makes no logic to me watching it. But if you're at a level where you can do that and know that the momentum is carrying the Fulham players towards their own goal and in the middle of it, you've got this 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 live wire with really, really fast feet and heels who just times it perfectly to get onto the ball, bang. So Christian Eriksen is a very intelligent player. I thought spoke well after the game. Ten Hag, when he spoke about Garnacho, he still did qualify the comments and say the World Cup's not actually good because he he could lose focus now. There's the momentum's going to be lost now. It could all go to his head now. That was the implication, and that can't happen. So I think Manchester United players and manager are really going to keep on his case, and I think that is the good thing to do. Don't let him get carried away. We've seen so many players fall uh, because they've got carried away. Get to a good level. Get 50 games under your belt, first of all. Then start signing more commercial deals or whatever you want to do. 
Yeah, I guess the warning for him is the fact that he he was the first teenager to score a stoppage time winner for United in the Premier League since Federico Makeda back in 2009. And we all know that for whatever reason, Makeda's United career didn't quite work out how it could have done from those, well, from that goal really and that that early sign at at 17. Oh, I really want to just, as a quick note, uh, just point out uh, Bruno Fernandes' post-match comments to broadcast where he said, talked about the World Cup, uh, and said it sh- should be done in a better way, and he wasn't happy with the selection of the World Cup to happen in the winter at- and at Qatar, which was which was brave um, and correct. Yeah, I-, I just want to mention that and say, well done, you. Yeah, you were definitely right to flag that up, Carl. Yeah, thank you. Okay, then that's all we've got time for for this episode. But we'll be back at the end of the week to react to whatever more comes out of Ronaldo's mouth, plus our mid-season report on United and Eric Ten Hag. That'll be the last one before we take a break for the World Cup as well. In the meantime, keep your eyes peeled to the Athletic for the very latest on Ronaldo and all the best build-up to Qatar as well. And remember, if you're not a subscriber, you can sign up now for one pound a month for the first six months. Just go to theAthletic.com forward slash slash Man United pod. But thank you, Andy. Thank you, Carl. And thank you for listening as well. We'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye.